Oh, good morning, everyone. It's good to, uh, good to see you all this morning. I want to share this morning from a passage in the Old Testament. Before I do that, let's, uh, let's pray together. Yeah, let's, let's pray as a church, asking the Lord's blessing upon the message and upon this time together. Our Father in heaven, thank you. You are a very good Father. Where do we have to go? Where else do we need to go, Lord? There's no other place but in your loving and safe arms. And it's to you we come this morning praying that your blessing would be upon everything that we do and continue to be upon us, Lord. We need you. We are lost without you. And Father, we can never find life without you. And Lord, I just thank you that you have made this known to us. And I just pray that you would bless your people that have come today, everyone, for the first time or have come regularly, Lord. I just pray that your wonderful hand be upon them and making yourself known to them in a marvelous and glorious way. Father, we pray for those who are getting baptized next week that you would give them strength and encouragement to resist the enemy and to be believing all the time in your goodness and your greatness. So, Father, we pray. We pray your blessing on us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, if you are here for the first time, we'd welcome you. We'd like to, I'd like to share with you something from God's Word now. We've sung some songs. We've worshipped. Uh, we've praised our, our great and mighty God. And I want to share with you a small passage in the Old Testament this morning from the book of, a book called the Book of Judges. A time in Israel's history where there were judges who ruled the land. And so there is this man called Gideon in the book of Judges. And I want to share a very small passage with you this morning about this man and what God was doing with this man, very similar to what God is doing with us today. In fact, I believe Gideon is a picture of the church today. Gideon is a beautiful picture of the church of Jesus Christ today and what God does with his own church. Because Gideon, like us, didn't have any less experiences than we have today as God's people. You know, Gideon went through his own trials. Gideon went through his own sufferings. Gideon went through his own temptations. Gideon went through his own difficulties. And so he's very, very much no different to the church today. His own insecurities, his own vulnerabilities, very much like your experience and my experiences today. Yet God was absolutely committed to Gideon to make sure that this man became a man of faith, a man that was uncompromising, and a man was, that was immovable in his belief in the one true God. And it's a beautiful picture of how God is not keeping Gideon the way he was, but rather he was making Gideon the way he wanted him to be. And that's everyone in this place today. God is calling you to an uncompromising faith and belief in one true God that doesn't shift despite the circumstances. Because you know what it's like when you face many difficulties in life, don't you? I'm sure you, like me, have faced many difficulties in life, many trials in life. I'm sure you, like me, have experienced many surprises in life, many unwanted things in life, unexpected things in life. And you, like me, know what it feels like to be in those situations. And God knows what it feels like to be in those situations. And he's calling us in those situations to be men and women of faith who believe him above all things. We know what it feels like to go through difficult circumstances. 
We also know what it feels like to go through all kinds of emotions. Do you know what it feels like to have that experience? Do you know what it feels like, like me, to go through all kinds of emotions, sometimes many in one day, sometimes many in an hour? That whole thing about you feel this way, you feel that way, you feel good, you feel sad, you feel anxious, you feel happy, you feel excited, and all those things. In fact, if I asked you to add up and calculate and and write down all the emotions you felt in one week, I'm sure there will be a list for some people, probably a long list. And yet God knows what it feels like to be in those situations with all kinds of emotions, and yet in those emotions he calls us to believe him above all things and to put our faith in him. So that we become men and women of faith who believe in the one true God who is still working miracles today. Who's still working power in the lives of his people today. Even if the world doesn't want to see it. Even if the world doesn't want to hear about it. God is still saying, I'm sovereign, I'm God. And if you believe me, you will see great things. If you believe me, you will see what it means to believe a great and awesome God through your sufferings, through your times when there is no strength, and even when you are faced with your own sin. I'm sure there are probably people here sitting here saying to themselves, yeah, but I've tried. I've tried. You don't know, Barry, how much I've tried. I've tried to get through this, but I still feel weak. I've tried to overcome this sin, but I still feel it keeps haunting me. It keeps coming back. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried to feel better, to feel happier, to feel um, uh, stronger. I've tried and I've tried. And I'm telling you this morning, beloved, I'm telling you with all my heart, you've got to stop and you've got to say this. Do you believe? I'm asking you to consider this morning perhaps the question above all questions. And it's three words. Do you believe? You believe. And when you're feeling like there's no strength anymore, I'm asking you to consider this morning, do you believe? When you're feeling like that sin just keeps coming back and you think, why do I keep doing this? Because before God, it's not right. God doesn't tolerate one sin in our lives. And when it keeps coming back to yourself, and you think, but I've tried and I've tried. I'm asking you again this morning to, to consider and to reflect that one question. Do you believe? And when there's suffering in your life and you think to yourself, hey, am I going to keep going through this suffering? I've had enough of it. I'm tired of it. I can't suffer anymore, whether it's physical or it's emotional or it's social, whatever it's going on in your life. And you say to yourself, hey, how am I going to keep going? I'm asking you again to, to consider this question. Do you believe? And Gideon... Gideon was a man who God was basically saying to him, Gideon, I want you to believe, Gideon. I want you to believe me. And so he took him through a whole series of experiences. So he comes to a place where he, in no uncertain terms, says, God, I believe. Because you can wrestle with all questions in life. You can wrestle with questions of relationships. Lord, is it going to happen? Why is it happening? Am I ever going to have it? Am I, is it ever going to get better? You can question relationships in life. You can question financial security in life. Lord, am I ever going to have enough? Is it ever going to get better? You can question careers in life. Lord, what do you want me to do? Where am I going? Where am I heading? You can question fears and doubts and insecurities. You can question your past, your present, your future. Lord, what's going to happen? You can ask all these questions in life. 
your anxieties, feelings of depression. You can, you, can, you, can, you can confront all these questions in life, but I'm asking you this morning to ask the one question above all questions, and it's this, do you believe? Will you believe him in all those experiences? Will you be stripped back of all the things that you depend on? Your own smartness, your own strength, your contacts, your plans, the people in your life? Are you prepared to be stripped back from all these things so you and God stand alone and say, God, without all these things, regardless of all these things, I still believe you. And Gideon is a man who God was doing this to, stripping back, stripping back, stripping back. So he came to a place where he could know, have no other place, no other, no other situation than to say to God, God, I believe you. I believe you. And I want us to consider him and how wonderful he is, a beautiful picture of the church we are today. So in Judges chapter 7, Judges chapter 7, he is, um, he is a man who is about to experience perhaps one of the common or one of those experiences that we have in life where we don't really like to have, where we come face to face with our own humanity, we come face to face with our own weaknesses, we come face to face with our own vulnerabilities and God says, I know what you're experiencing Gideon, I know what you're experiencing church, but I want you to ask you, I want to ask you the same question, are you going to still believe me? Are you still going to believe me? That that thing that you think is going to be difficult to overcome in your life, you're going to believe me that despite how many times you've tried, you will overcome it. That trial that you think you can't endure, you will endure it because you believe not in yourselves, not in your strength, not in your smartness, not in who you are, but in a God who's able to do it. Because what God is looking for is for a faith that is more than just words. Do you believe that? He's looking for a faith that is more than just outward appearance. He's not looking for a faith for a people who come into a church looking nicely with their ties and they say to themselves, I'm a Christian because I sing a few songs and I listen to a few Bible passages. He's not looking for that. He's looking for a people who come in and impact their church and impact their world because God is impacting them. He's changing their lives. He's overcoming the sin in their hearts. He's transforming them through their suffering. And he's making them exactly like his son, Jesus Christ, because that's the faith he's looking at. In fact, Jesus warned against any kind of other faith because he said, well, I have a people. He says, I'm concerned. He didn't, see that. he didn't say these words, but he was concerned. He was concerned. He goes, because there's a people who come close to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They come and they say, thank you, God, praise you, God, worship you, God, love you, God. But then their hearts are far from me because when it comes to living life, they can't live it the way I've called them to live it because, very simply, they don't believe. Oh, they say they believe. They use the words like they believe. They're happy to say, I believe in God. Oh, yeah, God, no problem, I believe in God. But yet it's not transforming their life. And so really, where is the evidence of their belief? The Bible says that even the demons believe, but they tremble. I don't want to believe like a devil. Because even if I'm not trembling now, I'll be trembling when I come face to face to him in eternity. 
So what God is calling for is not a belief that says, you know, I love God with my lips and my heart is far from me. He's looking for a God, people who are going to believe him with all their heart today, a heart, a belief that transforms them lives today. And Jesus was also concerned because there were people who said, what's wrong, Lord? Um, we ate and drank in your presence. It's like, oh, not just I believe now, but like we're cozy with Jesus. We're very cozy with him. We ate and drank in his presence. You know that feeling of intimacy because I have a very, I have a nice experience with Jesus. I come into church and I feel nice in church. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel good when I open the Bible. It makes me feel good when I listen to a worship song. I feel lifted up. And Jesus says, you know, you people, you come and you say, you ate and drank in my presence and I taught in your streets. And as if like you have some entitlement to knowing him. And, and Jesus turns around and says to these people, I never knew you. What? I never knew you. Yeah, sure, you felt good. Yeah, sure, I, you ate and drank in my presence. Yeah, sure, I taught in your streets, but I never knew you because you practice iniquity. You practice sin. You go off and you don't see the power of God because you don't believe. You accept it as part of your life. You say, oh, yeah, this will always be part of my life. I'll always sin. I'll always lie. I'll always cheat. I'll always swear. And, and you accept it as part of your life. He says, this is a practice of iniquity. He says, I don't know you. You may claim to know me, but I don't know you. Do you believe? Do you believe to the point where it's more than the devils who say they believe, but a power of God working in your life? Perhaps, again, I'll say to you, this is the question above all questions. And so, so, um, so Gideon was tested and tempted like this because it is liberating and it is freeing to see, to see this kind of belief. Remember the man who, who Philip saw in the book of Acts, an Ethiopian man. Remember what happened there? Philip sees this man reading the Bible in the Old Testament. And he, he goes up to this Ethiopian man. He says, well, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian man says, how am I going to know unless someone explains it to me? And he looks and it happens to be, happens to be Isaiah. And he says, and he starts sharing with him about Jesus. And he tells him about baptism. And he goes and they're traveling along and they see some water. And, he, and the man says to Philip, well, what's, what's, what's stopping me? What's stopping me from this water? What's stopping me from being baptized? And what did Philip say to him? Philip said to him, if you believe with all your heart, you may. That's the question. The people who are getting baptized next week, what are we going to testify and what, what are we going to see in them? They're going to see a heart of belief. Not a heart that says, I love God or I believe God, but a heart that believes. And his response to Philip was beautiful. One of the most beautiful responses he says, he says to Philip, I believe in Jesus. I believe in him with all my heart. I believe in him. And so he goes and he baptizes him. It wasn't a head thing. It wasn't a religious thing. It wasn't something that he thought he should be doing. But rather he was convicted and he was moved because this was going to change his life forever. And so he believed and he was baptized. I don't know how many times I might have said this to the people getting baptized as we, we spent week after week with each other. They may, they may have even got a bit tired of me saying this, a similar thing but in different ways. But basically, if you're not serious about this, don't do it. Almost like I'm saying to them, don't. Why would I do that? Because I don't want them to? No, because I want them to believe. And all of you that have been baptized in this place, do you remember your baptism? Do you remember? Why you did that? 
what you believed, has that changed? How do you think, oh, I'm baptized now? And over the years, you've relaxed, as if like there's a, a, a kind of thing called relaxing in the faith. And so we know one of the enemies of believing is time. One of the enemies is time, because as time goes on, the nature of man can relax. As time goes on, the nature of man becomes complacent. As time goes on, the nature of man says this, oh, I know what he's going to preach this morning. I understand, I understand this stuff he's going to preach this morning. And as time goes on, the nature of man starts to get comfortable and starts to, in their comfortability, stop believing. Oh, we still believe, but stop believing. Because you know, you're going to know things, very simple things. Things like this begin to happen. Someone annoys you, before you used to resist and steadfast in the faith. Yeah? Now it's like you get annoyed back. Why are you getting annoyed back for? Before you were steadfast in the faith. But now you get it because you've relaxed. Where's your belief? Where's your belief that the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? Because this is the belief. This is the belief. Someone says something and you're quick to remark. Why? Or you're quick to gossip about it. Why? Because before you said, no, no gossip. I'm a Christian. But now you're relaxed. Where's your belief? And so the belief overcomes all things. This is our faith that overcomes all things. And Gideon was a man who, who believed and God worked in his heart. God worked in his heart to a place that he was stripped back, humble, relinquishing all control and saying, God, I now have to believe. Let's read this man. Chapter 7, verse 1. Chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. I'm just going to go through a few verses. You know, Jeroboam, Jeroboam, which is called Gideon, is actually, though it's got the word Baal in it, it's actually quite a beautiful name. It's a beautiful name. They called Gideon Jeroboam because Gideon just previously had torn down the altar of Baal. Baal was an enemy of God. The people of Israel should not have had an altar to Baal. They should have had an altar only to their God. And so God confronted Gideon previously and said, Gideon, I want you to do something. I want you to go and I want you to tear down the altar. I want you to tear down the grove and I want you to sacrifice to God. And Gideon went and did that. And in the morning they were like, what's going on here? Who did this? Who tore down the altar of Baal? And it's like, it's and they did some inquiry, and, and they found that it was Gideon, and they said, bring Gideon here, he needs to be destroyed. And then his dad, and his dad does something amazing. Gideon's dad does something interesting. He says, what are you doing? Are you defending Baal? If Baal is who he says he is, let him defend himself. Defend himself. Let him attack Gideon. And so they call him Jeroboam. Because the name is let Baal plead for himself. So you can imagine Gideon. He's got this new name now, Jeroboam. Every time Gideon gets up in the morning and lives life, he is a testimony that Baal is weak. Do you understand that? Every time Gideon's living life, he is a testimony that Baal has no strength against the Almighty God. Because nothing is happening to him. He is a testimony that Baal cannot plead against Gideon. What a testimony. Having that as your new name. 
Walking life knowing your faith, your belief in a one true God is more powerful than all the gods around you. I don't mind that name. Maybe you like that name. Maybe you call yourself that name. I don't know. But that's, not a, that's a pretty good name. And so Jeroboam here, or Gideon, or Gideon is like his real name if you like. Gideon is um, with the people and they're encamped and Midian are their enemies. You get that? Gideon are their enemies and they are tormenting Israel. They are tormenting the people of God. Do you have enemies like that in your life? Now listen, don't go straight to people in your head. Oh, I can think of many enemies. Him, her, him, her. Don't, don't think of it. Yes, there might be people like that who are truly and genuinely attacking you because of your faith. Not because of your bad behavior. Because of your faith. But think about all the enemies in your life that continually haunt and attack you. Sin in your life that you think to yourself, oh, when am I gonna, when's this ever going to stop? And so Midian is encamping Israel and they are their enemy. And God is about to do something with Gideon to show him just how powerful he, he is. And verse 2, the Bible says, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give to the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Interesting. Because you imagine Gideon, Gideon thinking to himself, okay, I've got this job to do. I've got to destroy the Midianites. I have to destroy the things around me. I've got 32,000 men. Oh, I think I can do it. And God's saying, no, it's too many. Because I know the nature of man. They're going to become very proud and they're going to say, oh, look what we did. We're so good. We're just so smart. We're just so strong. We just know what's how, we, how to do things. We plan so well. We have great meetings. We, we, we're so good at organizing, organizing things. We, we just, and, 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 Gideon, and God's saying to Gideon, no, 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 stop. I need to show you something. Stop believing in what you are and what you can do and start believing in the one true God who is still doing miracles today because you will find yourself without strength many times. You will go through suffering that you don't want to go through in times in your life. You will face sin in your life that you think is going to be too hard for you. Stop thinking to yourself you are able and start thinking in the one who is able himself. Do you believe? And what Gideon is starting to learn here, that it's not about who he is, how smart he is, how strong he is, how strong his people are, but in the strength and power of Almighty God. Do you believe? Do we believe? And so, so God is saying Gideon's too many because pride is an enemy of faith. Did you know that? Pride is an enemy of faith. For you to say, yeah, it'll be fine. I'll do it. I'll work it out. And pride is the enemy of faith because you know what? You can't work it out. Because if you could work it out, you'd be all worked out. You'd be coming up to me saying, I've got it all worked out. But you haven't. And sometimes you haven't because your pride is still getting in the way. And sometimes you haven't because doubt is still getting in the way. Sometimes you haven't because you haven't come and concluded and relinquished control and said in your heart, you know what, Lord, I'm going to choose above all things to believe. 
When that happens, it is freeing. Did you know that? When that happens, it is freeing. There was a time in my life a few years ago where things weren't easy, to say the least. It was a very, very difficult time. And you know those experiences. I'm not the only one who experiences them. You've had those experiences before. You know those times you think to yourself, you, can, you just feel like you cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. You've you got no, everything's been stripped from you, your own knowledge, your own cap- capability, everything. You just think to yourself, and then God in his goodness showed me this verse. Isaiah 43 says, you are my witnesses, says the Lord. Listen to this. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Well, that's enough of a relief. The servant whom I've chosen. Why did he choose me? Why did he choose you? Why did he choose us to be witnesses? Listen to why he chose. That you may know and believe me. Do you understand? That you may know and believe me. And understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor there shall be any after me. And what I, what I heard, beloved, one of the most incredible experiences in my life, what I heard wasn't an audible voice, but God's voice in my heart that said one very, very simply, ask me this question, do you believe me? Because that's why I've called you. And it was liberating. Because it wasn't how strong I was. It wasn't how smart I was. It wasn't how much I could plan. It wasn't how good I could plan the future. It was one very simple question God asked me. Perhaps the question above all questions is, do you believe me? How can I not, Lord? How can I not? Did my situation change? No. Did my circumstances get better overnight? No. Was anything brighter in the future? Well, you could argue yes, but it wasn't necessarily practically any brighter. But there was a rest in my heart that began to develop, and it was this, that I believed in the one true God who is able to still do miracles today. And I think, beloved, until we come to this point, our religion is vain. It's all talk. It's all talk. And so Gideon is faced with this situation where he is... God is saying to him, uh, it's too many people. Now therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, verse 3, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. Do you hear what he said? God says to Gideon, okay, I want you to do something for me. Go tell everyone, whoever's fearful and afraid, go home. What do you think is happening in Gideon's mind at this point? He's got 32,000 men. What do you think is happening in his head? Do you think he's thinking to himself, all right, look, I might might lose a few hundred. Okay, if if I've got to lose a few hundred, that's okay, then it has to happen. If I've got to lose a few hundred out of my 32,000 men, because you know what? We'll be strong enough still. Because there's insecurities there. He has to fight on behalf of God's people and destroy the enemies. And so God says, anyone who's fearful and afraid, let him go home. 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. Do you have ever felt what Gideon might have just felt right now? Have you ever felt what he might have just felt now? This feel has sent this sick sense of emptiness in your stomach, 
that thought to myself, how in the world am I going to get through this? How in the world am I going to overcome this? How in the world am I going to find strength to endure this? Power to find freedom in this? And all of a sudden, he watches 22,000 soldiers walk away. All right, so humanly, what do we do? Thank you, Lord, I've got 10,000 left. Don't we find comfort in something? Don't we want to find comfort? We've got to find the, what is it, the silver lining? Thank you, God. And he goes back and he prays. I'm making this up now. He goes back and he prays and he says, Thank you, God. I've got 10,000 men left. I can do this. I can do this. 10,000 men left. And so God wants to tell Gideon, Gideon, you've got to stop trusting in who you are. You've got to stop trusting in what you can do. You've got to stop trusting in how smart you think you are, how good of a planner you are. And you've got to start believing in me. Verse 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them there for you. Then it will be that whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whoever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. (laughs) What's he thinking now? Okay, Lord, you want me to want less people? And what's interesting is God doesn't tell him which ones are going to go and which ones are not going to go, lest perhaps in his own humanness he manipulates things. I don't know. Maybe God knows the heart of man that somehow Gideon would sway the outcome. Verse 5. So he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself, likewise everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. You get the picture, yeah? So the people, 10,000 men went down to the water and those who basically were able to lap up the water from there with their hands and drink like a dog, you could put those on one side. And those who got on their knees and just drank like that, he goes, put them on this side here. Okay. Now, this theories. Why one, why the other? Some people suggest maybe those who did this held the, held the sword ready so they were more capable. Others who did this were kind of a bit careless. Uh, I don't know. There's different theories. Yeah, I, don't, I don't necessarily hold to those theories. <laughs> I just think God just decided, let's find a way. Because otherwise it would have been back to the strength of man. And so he found, the Bible tells us, I think it's in verse 6. Verse 6, yeah. And he found that the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water were what? (laughs) 9,700. Now, by now, I reckon Gideon's thinking this. Oh, my goodness. He's going to choose the 300, isn't he? He's going to strip me of everything I am to the point where I have to say, God, I believe you. I'm going to keep believing. I'm not going to give up. 
And sure enough, he did. In verse 7, the Bible says, Then God, the Lord said to Gideon, By 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. Wow. By 300 men. How in the world is God going to do that? Beloved, when you come to this place of faith, then you understand what it means to believe. All other faith becomes vain. All other believing becomes vain. Because you realize what God is doing by making out of 300 men the ability to conquer a people that is too big for them. God is concerned if Midian is going to come to a place in his own weakness that he's going to believe in a God who's able to do that. You say to yourself, but I just cannot stop it. I'm telling you, beloved, you've got to believe in him. Remember, remember Abraham. The Bible says he wasn't weak in faith. He didn't consider his own body now dead, about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Remember that when he was told he was going to have a baby? 100 years old. The Bible says he didn't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief because humanly speaking, he was too weak. Humanly speaking, this was not possible, just like Gideon was facing. God brought him to a place, like often he brings you and me to a place where we have to confess with our own hearts and mouths, God, in my own strength, I can't do this. And God says, that's fine. Do you believe me now? Do you believe me now? Will you believe me now? Because all you've got to know is this. I am there in the midst of you. I am there in your company. I am there in your presence. I am there within you. And that's what you're going to need to know. And like I often say to people, when Jesus was on the boat and the storms were, he was sleeping in the boat and the storms were going around his disciples, and I often say to people, you know what, as long as Jesus was in that boat, that boat was not going down. And so, so Abraham didn't stagger at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. That's why the Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accounted for him to him for righteousness. Do you get that? He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness because God was showing Abraham, you can trust me. Why was it accounted to him for righteousness? Because this faith, this belief is so strong, it is considered righteousness. We're all striving to be better people. We're striving to do good things, good deeds, and show people how good we are because we don't want to be looked down upon and we don't want to show people how good Christians we are. And God says, stop. This faith, he was accounted to him for righteousness. Start with this faith. Start to believe with all your heart when it all becomes impossible in your own minds. And so you will see the victory of God through suffering, through weaknesses, uh, through trials, through surprises. You will see the strength of God because you choose to believe in a God who is able. Like God said in the Old Testament, do you believe me? 
In fact, in Isaiah 53, when he's talking about Jesus Christ, he actually says quite prophetically, he says, Who has believed our reports? It's like a cry of God, who's believed it? As if to say, no one's believing it anymore. Who has believed our reports? And don't look at each other and say, yeah, but you know, your circumstance is easier than mine. And you can believe because you've got an easier life than me and you're not suffering like me. And don't look at each other like that. Look to the one who's able to help you and say, God, I will believe. And I will see the victory and the miracle in my life as you've done many times and as you will continue to do. We know the Bible says that it goes on and he defeats the enemy. And what's remarkable about this story is he doesn't even have to touch the enemy. Do you know that? He doesn't even have to touch them. He just goes and he takes a jar and some fire and they smash the jars, the sword of the Lord and Gideon, and the people flee. Wow. There's not even a battle because the battle for Gideon has already been won. Do you understand that? And God gives him rest 40 years. Wow. Find this faith, and I tell you, beloved, you find rest. You know, this question, do you believe, is so important that Jesus asked it as well. Did you know that? When the blind man was kicked out of the area because Jesus had healed him, and he was kicked out, and Jesus came and found him, the question he asked, Jesus asked him was this, do you believe in the Son of God? It's the same question, because it's the question that Jesus is concerned about. Do you believe in the Son of God? He said, well, who is he, Lord? I'll believe. And Jesus starts to talk to him, and he says, I believe. The same with Martha, when Jesus was talking about Lazarus, when, when he had died, and, and Jesus said to her, well, you know what? If you believe, so if you believe, you will not die. And then he asks Martha the same question, do you believe this? He asked the same question, because for Jesus, because for Jesus, it is, it is um, the question that he wants above all questions, if you like. Perhaps, perhaps, I'm not saying 100%, perhaps it's the question he's most concerned above all questions is do you believe? Because when you believe, little things and big things begin to happen in your life. Um, I know when our brother was sharing about his um, incident on his motorcycle, that is, that is a testimony of do you believe? That's a testimony when people share testimonies of what God has done in their life, people who have gone through circumstance after circumstance after circumstance, doing things they shouldn't be doing, and then God confronting them and restoring them, this is a question of believing. When you tell your friends and family about your faith and they resist it, but you stay steadfast in the faith, this is a, ch- this is a testimony of believing. When your relationships, your marriages are broken or they're suffering and you come to a place of believing and they are healed and they are mended, this is a testimony of not how good you are, but how good he is. Do you believe? A few weeks ago, election nights, Friday nights, I lost this young man, this fellow. Not young man. A wallet. Anyway, um, I I just I didn't know where it was. I was looking. Where is my wallet? You know. And uh, I don't know if you like me, but you know to lose this, it's more like just it's more the time involved. You know, more than anything. It's like oh no, I got to go through this time. And so, what was I going to do? And I just gone to a pizza shop up the road, or about a few kilometres down the road, and. Uh, I thought, you know what? I started to get anxious. I thought, you know, I just got to believe. I just got to believe. 
You know? And I tell you the truth, beloved, to show how God, how faithful God is, I went back probably about half an hour later, and I tell you the truth, it was actually a place where there were people in and out all the time. Lots of people shuffling in and out all the time outside the pizza shop. There was a cafe next door and all that. It would have been a good half an hour and I got there. I thought I'd just drive back and get there. And, and I just sensed that God was saying to me, though there was anxieties and there was concerns, I get a sense that God was saying to me, you just got to keep believing. Yeah? And there I was, I got back, and there I was, as I went out to the footpath, my wallet opened, I'll tell you the truth, like that. And if you can see that, you can see clearly two credit cards, yeah? Like that on the floor, like this. Thinking half an hour, half an hour. Without exaggeration, there would have been probably 50 to 100 people would have passed through that in that time. You're kidding me. I think I might have even thought that in my head. You're kidding me. Half an hour, like that, in the light, as if like God blinded everyone. As if he blinded everyone, so that I could have it back. <laughs> Maybe it's just God saying, I just, I love you, I'm going to have it back here, take it back. And God strips us, and God strips us of things, we're left with one decision, we're left with one question, do we believe? And Gideon was stripped back of all these things and he was left to a place where he had to ask that question, am I going to believe in a God, not in how good I am, but how good God is? Not in how much I think I can get through my circumstance, how well I can plan my future, um, how many people, good people I can get around me, but in God who's able. And I know God knows your circumstances today, whether it's suffering, whether it's the strength you lack, whether it's the sin that overcomes you. I know God knows your circumstance today. And I know, I don't need to know it, but I'm here to tell you, beloved, like Gideon, I'm here to tell you that if you choose to believe in a great uh, one, the one true God, and in the miracles he's able to do, in him you will overcome. The one, he's not many gods, he's one <laughs> The true, there aren't many gods out there. It's only him, God himself, because he's God and you're not. And that's what we've got to put our faith in. Let me pray for us. Let me pray for us. Father God, there are so many questions that go through our head at times. There's suffering, there's pain, there's difficulties, there's emotions. There's weaknesses, Lord, anxieties, vulnerabilities, so many things, decisions we have to make. But in the midst of all these things, there is one God who calls us and challenges us and confronts us to believe in you. We thank you for this. Father, in this faith, we overcome. In this faith, we find victory. In this faith, we find rest. In this faith, we find peace. In this faith, we find answers. And this faith turns all the religion into life. And it takes our vain faith into real, true faith that overcomes. So Father, continue to work in our hearts like Gideon. We don't want to be stripped of our own 
glory and our own capabilities. But Lord, we want to learn to put our complete and solid faith in you. So Father, bless your people in all their circumstances today and this week. Go before us and strengthen us. Strengthen us that time doesn't rob us of this faith. But we are strengthened day after day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.